Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Objective, brought to you by the Ayn Rand Center UK, where we apply the practical philosophy of objectivism to everything. To me, uh, today, I have a uh, super awesome guest, uh, whether he thinks so or not. The Lord Emperor himself, Razi Ginsburg, will be joining me to apply the philosophy of, of objectivism to one of the Republican candidates, Vivek Ramaswamy. Hopefully, many of you have heard of them. If you haven't heard of him, you probably know a little bit more about him from the debates. Uh, there's lots of mixed reviews about that debate and his performance on it. I projected that he would actually rise higher on the debates, and, and the more he gets to interact with the establishment candidates, the more interesting he will become to the Republican base. I think he's balancing some fine lines. That could be, uh, that could, uh, I think be a, a bad character trait, but very interesting uh, politically. We're going to have a lot to talk about because I'm sure uh, we're going to find some agreement and some disagreement. You know, we're objectivists. So we don't agree on everything. We're not cookie cutter, monolithic uh, thinkers. We have our own minds and, and we process information through our own minds. So you're going to get different spins on this Vivek Ramaswamy thing. Uh, but Razi, before we start off, I want to I want to talk about stage and fold. This is the first staging company to use cardboard to stage homes and apartments. Now, their product provides the most unique, efficient, and affordable way to stage an apartment. They provide high-quality, beautifully designed, and very light folding furniture made out of recycled, dense cardboard, which is very easy to assemble. They've worked with interior designers as well as top product designers to create a perfect combination of style and efficiency. So now you can have your property stage within 48 hours, hassle-free, and at a very low cost. So check the link in the description. They are currently offering the first 14 days of staging completely free of charge, no commitment, no hassle with www dot stageandfold.com check it out folks sounds super interesting to me Rozzy yeah Mark I just want to say you know we talk about you know we we talk about promoting objectivism changing the culture and uh, the different ways to change the culture and of course the importance that which is 100% true of of having intellectuals having more intellectuals having uh you know influencers in the culture doing what we do here I don't think there's enough focus on the importance of business people and people, you know, people actually creating products and services out there that are unique. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's not only the fact that as a, you know, as a business owner, you can uh, sponsor episodes of the Daily Objective, because you can do that even if you don't own a business. But uh, there is something out there that when somebody is successful, you know, whatever people's philosophical framework is, I think if you're, uh, it, people want to see success and want to see people they can look up to. And uh, it's always inspiring to see uh, innovation. And it's I'm always happy when it's objectivists who, who innovate. Uh, so well done to Dave Goodman for that. And uh, look up, by the way, look up what he does. It's, it's uh, very interesting. But another objectivist who innovates is Alex Epstein. So my favorite thing about anything in the current, uh, uh, you know, Republican uh, race is the fact that Alex Epstein's name is dropped. I've heard it dropped twice by Vivek, uh, but I've only seen like maybe five interviews where he talks about um, uh, environmentalism and uh, and climate change. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we I, I want to start off with something positive. I don't know if I'll have much more positive to say about him. Well, so, I got uh, I got I got to say that Alex Epstein is probably the most influential objectivist out there today, even more than Yaron Brook, whom I admire very much. 
Uh, I love his content. It, it's an island of sanity for me in the sea of chaos. But Alex Epstein has influenced the energy conversation in a way that nobody else has. And to see his name brought up in editorials from newspapers ranging from the New York Post to the Washington Post to the New York Times, he's everywhere. And his language is starting to be adopted by people because it makes sense. So um, it's great to see an object, just how an objectivist philosophy applied to one sector of our world, which is going crazy right now, can change it for the better. So speaking of Vivek Ramaswamy talking about Alex Epstein, that's probably one of the things I do like about him. Let's talk about the negatives before the positives. Maybe the positives are very slim for you. I think they're slim for you on as more well. Positives? I thought we uh, I thought we went through all uh, of them. I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, you, did we? <laughs> That's it. Uh, well, no, let's, I'm let's, okay. Since maybe okay, since the negatives are going to take up probably the preponderance of this conversation, let's talk about the negatives first, and maybe end on a positive note, if there is such a thing for any of the Republican candidates, because I despise them all. But uh, let's get to let's get to the negatives first. What do you hate about Vivek Ramaswamy, and why? I mean, the first thing, obviously, that just because, you know, this is this is something he keeps saying is his uh, admiration of Trump is a massive red flag. And he wants Trump to be his uh, his his uh, you know, most trusted advisor uh, and mentor when he's in when he's in the White House. I mean, you know, uh, people this is actually going into one of the kind of positives. But, uh, you know, when people criticize him, like uh, Pence is calling him a, a rookie. And I'm thinking, yeah, he's a rookie because he was out there, like creating actual value and becoming a billionaire when, when Pence was a lifelong politician. Uh, so that's, that's a plus in, in my book. Um, but yeah, this is, incidentally, need... I think that's a plus in a lot of people's books to say he's a rookie means he's an and he's outside the establishment. And what people are looking for now is someone outside of the establishment. And I'm sorry, it's the total rookie move on the part of Pence to pull that card. He's got to have his finger on the pulse to some degree of the of the electorate and to know how disillusioned they are. That's just a rookie move on his part. And it says something about where the Republican Party has gone, because they used to, you know, admire people who actually made it in the real world. I would expect this from the Democrats. Uh, I mean, I expect it from the Republicans nowadays, but I want the Republican Party to be a party where this actually sounds like something you wouldn't expect to hear. Uh, now, uh, on the point of uh, him appointing Trump as an advisor, yeah, wherever, whatever you run, you need advisors. You you shouldn't, you know, micromanage everything. And uh, uh, so... So it, it scares me to think that this guy is going to is going to. OK, let, can I push back on this? Yeah. OK, because I, I, I find it unprincipled, of course, in a lot of ways, but I also find it a bit of four dimensional chess and that he's playing on a very different level than everybody else on that stage. Number one, he, he, he criticized Trump years ago intensely criticized Trump. This is what makes the turnabout now seem very hypocritical. People should probably call him on it, ask why the sea change. I think it's for a very practical political reason. Those people on the stage are terrified to alienate Trump, right? And they show it. They show their, their terror of alienating him while at the same time attempting to, to, to be principled and, and claim the moral high ground. He has embraced Trump in a, in a way, uh, in in a way that appears to be very principled. I mean, in other words, an anti-establishment, an outside the establishment guy, embracing a a bedraggled, beaten down 
anti-establishment guy by the establishment supporting him uh, unequivocally makes him come across to the MAGA supporters as a principled guy. So he's not alienating them. He's not alienating them at all. I think that's sort of a brilliant move. We can assume that the criticisms that he's made pre prior to uh, this turnaround are probably honestly how he feels. And he can marginalize Trump once he gets power. I don't think, you know, to making Trump an advisor, so what? He appeals to the MAGA group, he gets their vote and then decides to do what he wants to do. Um, I, I feel like if I don't know if you saw the Schwarzenegger uh, documentary, it's there's a there's an Austrian word for bullshit. But that's what I think he's he's playing right now. He's playing a brilliant game of bullshit to keep the MAGA folks enthused about him, maintaining that anti-establishment attack. Look, when they said, would you support the president if he were if he were convicted of a crime? His hand went up first implying to me every and and then the worst of them was DeSantis who sheepishly looked around him saw everybody else following Ramaswamy and he put his hand up guiltily so it's like he's the one saying outright what everybody's you know I mean running away from Vivek is definitely made to look better by the people around him on that stage but no I mean the fact that if you want to win an election you need to bullshit the electorate is not a good thing I mean that's the problem that's why that's why uh I think you know objectivist it's too early way too early to go into politics although Mark if you announce now that the first ever candidate of the American capitalist party is you running for president in 2024 uh I will wish you all the best unless you announce it elsewhere because I expect it to be here on ARC UK I'll, I'll be uh I'll be offended if it's somewhere else but uh but you're not gonna win I'm afraid right you can't you can't get it you can't get elected on objectivist principles you can't get elected elected on a consistent perspective with individual rights so but we go on well we basically we see somebody who you know there's some good in him and we need to hope that whatever isn't good is him bullshitting the electorate into voting for him that's possible you know that, that that's possible now so you don't like his embrace of trump i don't either but i find it i find it a pragmatic bad word in objectivism use of the maga electorate to propel him up closer to the possibility of directly debating trump which would be very interesting given the fact that he's embraced him so intensely as opposed to chris christie or pence who's uh or anybody else really on that stage who's trying to run from him what what, what other things do you you find unappealing about uh vivek uh well before i get to that i want to thank jonathan honing for the super chat uh jonathan will be on the reality show in less than 20 minutes and uh robert naser <laughs> who says vivek ramaswamy has uh all of trump's strengths uh pro-business pro-america etc uh but only half of his weaknesses it could be much more all right first of all i disagree with you on trump's uh strengths i uh, i also probably disagree with his half the weaknesses i i haven't uh run the numbers on that but yeah uh, i don't consider trump pro-america when he's uh like you know bffs with all the worst dictators and um he's he's not pro-business either uh you know he, he those that 10 percent across the board tariff is uh is not pro-business so I, I think Trump did some good things when he was president. I think it, it wasn't because he had the right ideas. It just, you know, he happened to land on some good uh, policies here and there. But uh, yeah, I think you're giving him- so he, so, he seems to, so he seems to be better than Trump in that respect because his business savvy is probably much 
much cleaner. Now, what do you think about his position on Israel? His his position on Israel, which he was called out recently for, I think on Brett Baer, or uh, no, no, Sean Hannity, uh, you know, was trying to corner him with respect to Israel. He wants a second Abraham Accords, and he wants to eventually uh, detach him, the, the United States from uh, supplementing Israel with, with money and arms. He wants them to be totally independent. As much as I love Israel, uh, especially in the context of where it sits, uh, I have to think that that is not a bad idea. What what say you? Yeah. Um, so, first of all, I didn't support the first Abraham Accords. I wouldn't support the second ones, even without knowing what's going to be in them. Uh, I think because of uh, their alliance with the Arabs, and you think that you think that that's a, a dirty alliance that's going to come back to bite Israel in the ass. I don't. I don't think Western countries should engage with uh, with dictatorships. Period. I mean, I think we should consider them to be uh, evil regimes, and and you know, and not legitimate uh, any more than uh, we said this before. Like any more than a gang that takes over an area is not the official government of that area. Um, in terms of detaching, you know, yeah, it would be great if uh, if Israel was self-sufficient. There was something that actually came up uh, this past Saturday on the Ayn Rand Center UK Philosophy Forum available for all members, platinum and above, uh, which was uh, from this debate, uh, Nikki Haley said to him something like, uh, Israel doesn't need America, America needs Israel, which is, uh, and I, I was saying in the, in the forum, you know, Nikki Haley is the person I would trust most uh, when it comes to the policy on Israel. Uh, but this, this is su such a, it, it shows you how, uh, you know, um, politicians, you know, get things wrong, uh, even when they're getting something right, because, you know, the support for Israel should be because it's in America's national interest. America doesn't need Israel. America needs um, to to you know know that it's right when it engages with its enemies and stop uh, you know uh, either seeing them as friends or seeing you know picking between different tribe different uh, levels of evil and seeing who is uh, uh, who who who's going to be our uh, you know our evil partner as opposed to the other evil. Yeah, in incidentally, it's this kind of pragmatism that has led lots of people to feel very cynically about the United States. They can claim with a certain amount of legitimacy that the United States is one of the biggest terrorist organizations in the world because they ally themselves with dictators, murderous dictators, and allow some of these things. In fact, in some respects, promote some of these you know, conflagrations to happen. If they had not done that, if they stuck to their principles, then we wouldn't be in the situation that we're yeah, in. Yeah, but there is, there is a, a point there on foreign, foreign policy, which is, I think, uh, probably Vivek's worst uh, uh, position on anything, which is his, uh, I'm going to call it support for Russia. I know this is not the way he would put it, but in effect, if uh, his policies are followed, it would be uh, America throwing Ukraine under the bus. And the reason for that shows that he doesn't approach foreign policy in a principled way, because he wants strength, uh, strength against China in the form of, uh, you know, detaching Russia from China and having what Russia is our ally. This is exactly the kind of problems that, uh, you know, that America has created for itself and others uh, around the world by not being principled, by uh, siding with bad guys where, where they think somebody else is worse. So, no. America yeah, let's. Let's not forget that Reagan committed committed arms to the Mujahideen because he felt the the um, the religious uh, people of the world had to unite against the atheistic Soviet Union. And now we have Vivek 
Vivek putting us in a similar Cold War situation where now that Russia has turned into Orthodox Christian traditional nationalism, which appeals now to the right wing, to the nationalist right wing, let's let's absorb that and, and ally ourselves with them against the new threat, which everybody says is communist China, which I hear so many, I hear so many conflicting reports about. I mean, uh, they have a they have a debt that's something like twice their GDP. Their 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 monetary system is about to collapse. They're suffering from a massive um, uh, demographic uh, a collapse. Uh, they're on the verge of dying, and yet everybody's trying to simultaneously claim that they are the thing that we have to worry about most in the 21st century. I that both can't be true simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, America, I think America uh, overestimates its enemies' strengths and underestimates its weakness, although by underestimating your weakness, you are kind of, uh, uh, you know, making it a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, over time. Well, well, we've made China to the degree that they're made, we have made them, um, Republicans and Democrats both. So uh, what else do you do you not like about Vivek Ramaswamy? Um, so... Yeah, I'm I'm blanking out on his specific policies. I should. You don't like his foreign policy. Um, really you don't like the fact policy. that he embraces Trump. You find that quite frightening because you don't see anybody else on the podium doing that. Um, you think his his uh, you, you think he's more capitalistic than Trump and could be beneficial to the economy. Is there anything? Is there anything in his particular policies with respect to the way he would approach economy that that rankles you? Uh, I'm not sure I know enough to comment about that. I do actually, back to the one thing I really like about him, which is the, the dropping Alex Epstein's name all the time, is the fact that when he talks about energy, it's not just that he drops Alex Epstein's name, it's that everything he says sounds like he's reading out uh, of the moral case for fossil fuels or uh, fossil future. So <clears throat> that that is a positive. But actually in that, you know, he, he keeps saying, the, the climate agenda is a hoax and he uses the word hoax. And then he when he explains it, he says, yes, uh, you know, climate change is real and so on. Uh, so I think the word hoax is uh, problematic there. I get that he's uh, uh, trying to um, get attention or get, you know, certain people in the in the public. But he's not saying he's not saying climate change is a hoax. He's saying the climate change agenda yeah. is a hoax. And all people here, I noticed that they booed him when he said that in the election. It's one of the few parts of the of the, the debate. It's one of the few parts of the debate that I saw. And it's as if everybody blanked out that he said agenda. And he's right. The climate change agenda is a hoax. Its purpose is to reset capitalism to take it over and reset it uh and they've got some pretty dark uh ideas um they're perfectly fine with returning us to a hunter-gatherer society they're perfectly fine with billions of people perishing because i think people are parasites on the earth in this respect since this issue climate change and the agenda driving climate change is probably the number one issue in the United States. It's certainly up there with the United Nations. They're trying to promote it around the world, uh, doing it by political fiat. Do you think that the fact that he takes our side, meaning more fossil fuels, energy independence, nuclear energy, freeing up the economy with respect to energy, does that make him more electable than anybody else on that stage? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what 
how Americans uh, think about this. Uh, but uh, again, like you said, people were blanking out on, uh, as soon as he said the word hoax. That's the problem. I there, I don't think he has said a single word in anything that I saw of his on on uh, climate change and on energy that I disagreed with, uh, which is his his it, use of the word hoax talking. though. When it's so politically incorrect, when he knows it's going to rile rile some people up, I think is pretty strong. Now, you may think it's just for clickbait. It's just for attention. But everybody else there is too timid. They're too timid because they don't want to be labeled as climate change deniers, which people will uh, automatically pop to if you say the agenda is a hoax, which is an entirely yes. different thing. Yeah, so that, yeah, makes him that makes him seem like the only guy up there standing for principle. But he is the only guy out there standing for principles when it comes to this issue. So, uh, and and if people, uh, if he loses people on the word hoax, which he will, and he did in the debate, and, and then everything else is lost. Like, look, the, the uh, people will be shocked by the fact that he says we need to use more fossil fuels. Uh, that's shocking enough. It's not a word that you know uh, makes people go crazy. It's it's an explanation of something that needs to be done, and he explains why because clearly he's read Alex Epstein. Um, but uh, yeah, I would I would uh, really hope that he sticks to the ideas on that and uh, and stops using that word, even if he's talking about the agenda and he's not that way off. It's a, it's a problematic word. Uh, also- um, Yeah, but doesn't that, doesn't it, when you, when, you, when you can't use a word like that, aren't you in some respect um, compromising the truth for their agenda because it is a hoax it is a gigantic hoax so it's i don't fake. think i don't it's, think I, I think when yeah when you're communicating ideas you need to think about who you're communicating them to i mean you earlier said that he's you know the whole trump thing is him bullshitting trump people into voting uh voting for him so with with something like this i don't i don't, no I don't know i Okay, yeah, it's it's bullshitting, but I also think he's playing on a sentiment that's real that I think objectivists don't take as seriously, right? We knock Republicans a lot, and we knock their conspiracy theories. We sort of make fun of them. We, we sort of fall into that left thing of, you know, the right is sort of mouth breathers. They're anti-academic, anti-intelligence, anti-yada, yada, which they indeed are. But it's not like it's not like they don't have a reason to be conspiratorial because <laughs> right. It's not like it's not like the media hasn't aligned themselves almost entirely behind the left's agenda and vilifies everything they do. It's not like there isn't a two tier justice system. I mean, it's it's almost a perceptual reality for anybody. If you have eyes and ears. You can tell that the Department of Justice is doing one thing to Trump and another thing to any Democrat who's committing a crime. And that, unfortunately, creates the monster that we're seeing. Trump is able to qualify himself as a martyr an anti-establishment outside the swamp martyr. And I think it's like Obi-Wan Kenobi. When he when he dies, he becomes stronger. It's like that, he, he will become stronger as a result of these assaults against him because people uh, perceive them as a political persecution. What say you? Uh, yeah, people have no uh, legitimate reason to believe in conspiracy theories. I mean, the fact that people see bad things happening and bad things being done and people, the parts of the media lying, uh, aligning with the, the uh, left, just as, you know, Fox News admitted they were lying for Trump. You know, the, the same happens on the right. Uh, that's a reason that there you have facts and you have facts that that uh, are, are a reason to reject those specific people and organizations. Is the, world, is the world is the world that we build what the truth is, is the world economic forum a conspiracy 
I don't think so. I I don't I don't I, I don't know enough to uh, to comment. Okay, but but no. Before Klaus Schwab came out and said, you know, you're going to own no property in the future and like it. Before that, you know, when they were underground meeting with all the great corporate leaders and statesmen of the world, not great, I say that in quotes, um, were they a conspiracy? Since they were all aligning, you know, this environmental social governance, is that a conspiracy? Um, I don't know. Think about bad, it. Think bad people, bad people, yeah, we, by the way, we should do more episodes. Unfortunately, we will be doing more episodes about politics, so we can revisit that, that uh, uh, issue soon because yeah i think with the, with the election coming up we'll uh, talk about it a lot and I'll look up enough about the world economic forum to actually give you an answer just very quickly because uh bonnie mentioned immigration yes immigration is something that vivek is bad on and uh i i would hope this is where he's bullshitting uh, uh people by being bad on it because he can't get elected by being good on it yeah Nobody is good on immigration. Well, oh, by the uh, way, by the way, if I were to announce for president that my upcoming reality check on immigration will automatically disqualify me <laughs> in the eyes of the majority electorate. Well, if uh, you become uh, uh, president and uh, your immigration policies are enacted, then the ARC UK's world offices, world headquarters offices will move to the US. Uh, we have a couple of super chats. Um, so Robert says the oversimplification of hoax only resonates with folks uh, you've already won over. Yes, you need to shore up the base, but that's not enough to win. Uh, and then Robert with uh, another super chat says in that regard, Alex gets it right. Vivek does not. Uh, all right. We do have the reality show in a few minutes. Mark, do you want to remind us about um, Dave? And I will then uh, tell you what's coming up next. Is this our buddy from Stage and Fold? Yes. Yeah, folks, uh, let me remind you about Stage and Fold, the first staging company to use cardboard to stage homes and apartments. Their product provides the most unique, efficient, and affordable way to stage an apartment. They provide high quality, beautifully designed, and very light folding furniture made out of recycled dense cardboard, which is very easy to assemble. And they've worked with interior designers as well as top product designers to create a perfect combination of style and efficiency. And now you can have your property staged within 48 hours, hassle-free and at a very low cost. So check the link in the description. Uh, they're currently offering the first 14 days of staging completely free of charge, no commitment, no hassles with www.stageandfold.com. Uh, we have one more announcement, uh, Fountainhead Book Club at 7 p.m. UK time for ARC, ARC UK members. And of course, and, we have the reality show coming up. Yeah, in three, in three minutes. And that, um, uh, what is the title of that? Is 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 everything the it West's fault? everything the West's fault. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give a spoiler for that? No, stay tuned and, and uh, we'll, we'll find out the answer soon. Uh, Mark, you will be on that, right? Uh, with Jonathan Honig. I'll be hosting the first part of it. Then I have to book out for uh, another appointment that I but have. We have a full cast and then some. We have Jonathan Honig. Uh, we have Marco and Richard, Thomas Bisson, Jim Brown. So uh, yeah, it, it will be a good show. And of course, tomorrow at 4 p.m., we have... Um, Peak off Wednesdays. I'm forgetting the the topic for tomorrow, but whatever it is, it'll be good. So uh, yeah, it's a lot of stuff coming up in the next 24 hours and uh, later on. And good, good, very good. And folks, objectivists, non-objectivists alike, I want you to do something for me. Always remember to check your premises. Peace.